Hello. Hello! Welcome to Sit for a Spell, a podcast where we discuss the lore, the traditions, and modern practices of the occult. Learn alongside us as we explore the many ways the witches of today observe their craft. So grab your book of shadows, light your candles. It's time to sit for a spell. Hello! Hello! Hi. Welcome to the Sit for a Spell podcast. I'm Jess. And I'm James. And today we have a very special guest. She is a death doula and she goes by at death empath on Instagram. Jessica Reese is here with us. Welcome. Hi guys. Welcome. Hello. (laughs) It's so nice to have you. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm excited. I can't wait. Yeah. Well, I came across you on Instagram. Um, I think I found you like in reels. You just like popped up and I was like, ooh, this is so interesting. And... (laughs) I mean, I've heard the term death doula before. I feel like I've heard it a lot more recently. But um, can you just, like, tell us what is a death doula? Like, for someone who's never heard of it. Sure. And I love the fact that you found me on Reels because they're my absolute (laughs) favorite. Um, (laughs) So uh, death doulas, we are end-of-life guides and advocates. And we pretty much do uh, everything non-medical. We're huge on emotional support, grief support, and uh, we can do anything from, say, vigil planning to legacy work. And then our main objective is really to make sure that the person who's actually passing gets their end-of-life wishes upheld and Mm -hmm. that we're we're energetically there supporting them emotionally. That's so wonderful. Yeah, that's not what – I think when you hear the term death doula, that's not the, the image that you get from that. It's very, no. it's like very peaceful, it seems. How did you, how did you get into becoming a death doula? How did that even pop up for you? So in all honesty, it was a scared straight program. So, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So I, to be completely honest, I suffered from depression for over 20 plus years, suicide ideation, mm-hmm. death ideation. And I got to a place with my depression that I was like, oh, I'm managing this. This is great but I was actually like really addicted to working. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I was just distracting. And um, I was really being called to find something that I could volunteer, but also like got me really close to death. I was like, well, if I'm around death all the time, I'll Mm -hmm. see the the realities of it. Mm -hmm. And um, my husband's grandmother passes away and she passed away by herself. And I was like really shocked by that. Mm -hmm. So I started looking up like how to volunteer at hospice. And then this, end of life doula pops up Mm -hmm. and I end up getting on an airplane to Madison, Wisconsin. I'm in California and I end up Mm -hmm. doing my training to become a death doula. Wow. You went to Wisconsin for that. Yeah. How did you find that? Like how were you just, did you have to look into it or just, it just came up? Well, once I started doing the research, you know how Facebook kind of like feels like it's tapped into your brain. I started getting all these like ads and um, I did my training through INELDA, which is the uh, International End of Life Doula Association. And they were the the soonest training I could do. And I was like, hey, never been to Wisconsin. Like, (laughs) (laughs) might as well. Might as well. Yeah. Yeah, You tick that off, tick that box and then you get your training. It's like, that's, that's so cool. So what... When someone comes to you, what is it? Is it is it different for every person or do you kind of are you able to personalize it per person? Do you have like services that you offer? Like I do this, this and this or this. How does that work? So 
Mm, that's a good question. I do have services and I love to be able to have a structure, but mm. most of the time people call us too late. Mm. So we're kind of just helping people. We tend to just help guide whatever we can. And it's usually with only like a few days. Mm. So okay. um, it's not often I get to be with someone who's actually a present, you know, mm-hmm. who's not on morphing yeah. or, you know, sleeping. Oh, yeah. um, so I find I'm, I end up being more of an energetic support and start cycling my energy with theirs. And I guide the family and I train them a little bit on what to expect. And who, like, I started going, okay, your role is the, you're going to give the medicine the first, you know, half the day and you're going to give the medicine last half the day. And so I become more like management at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but my services, yeah, the, the whole structure of it is you would love to be able to be with someone for at least, you know, 30 days uh, mm-hmm. and be with them and help them kind of plan their vigil. So the structure of it would be, I would love to be with someone who's actually passing. So I've had, I have had people who are um, terminally ill. Mm-hmm. And so I've been able to kind of map out vigil, their vigil with them, their legacy, what they wanted to kind of leave behind or build with their loved ones, and then make sure their advanced directives were in place so that, uh, you know, if they didn't want to be ventilated or if they mm-hmm. didn't want to be resuscitated, that was definitely in writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then anything else, like, what do you want me to do with all your digital uh, mm-hmm. profiles? Oh, yeah. Which is really important oh, right yeah. now. Yeah. We just mm-hmm. kind of don't think about like, oh, no one knows my passwords to all my social media accounts. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big one. Yeah. That's that something is, I never thought of before. Yeah. I think I I think I personally had a different I mean, I, we had talked at the beginning and my mom's a hospice nurse and she wants to eventually transition into this kind of doula ship, but um I didn't I don't think I understood the amount of kind of like even technical support that goes into it cuz mm-hmm. um and I don't know if my my understanding is different than a lot of people's, but, um, for me, I had thought that it was more of like a companionship. Um, but you do so much more. Yeah. So the companionship, even think about, (laughs) yeah, the companionship is huge. And so when we get to someone too late, it's Mm -hmm. primarily that, and you're doing a lot of grief support for their friends and family and also help guide them. Like things are okay. Like, no, you can come into the room and their hearing is the last thing to go. And yes, you can climb into bed with them as long as they're not showing any signs of pain, as long as they're not grimacing and Mm -hmm. things of that nature. So, um, yes, there's that huge component of companionship, but there's this, like I said, we advocate and make sure that their end of life wishes are being upheld. So, and so there are the, the, the way we're trained is we're trained to actually help with the structure of it all, like I mentioned mm-hmm. before. So yes. Yeah. And then there are some of us that will just help plan vigils or will just help, you know, with advanced medical directives or legacy work. So yeah, yeah right now we're just kind of like all things end of life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think most people don't, don't think about that. You know, mm-hmm. you think about, okay, what's going to happen to my, you know, getting a will or, you know, maybe putting some money aside just for the, the actual, um, like a funeral or a vigil or something. But I think all the other little things, most people don't Mm -mm. think about that stuff. Or don't want to think about it. Yeah, Yeah. that too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, even basic questions, you want to be cremated or buried? Mm -hmm. And then there are so many different types of getting cremated now. Do you want to be aquamated? Do you want to be recomposted? Do you want to be put into a, you know, fungi mold uh, Mm -hmm. casket? Like there's so many green alternatives too. 
Yeah. I know. I want to be put in a tree pod. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. seems like the that seems like the most uh I don't know. It's like something beautiful about it. Yeah. You know, you're just you grow into you, something you, else. Yeah. You become alive again in a different way. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. What's aquamated? I've never heard of that before. With water. Because getting cremated is still quite uh well, it's not eco-friendly. We'll just put it that way. It's not. It's right. pretty toxic. And like, you know, same with being embalmed. There's a lot of chemicals and you're spinning back into the, the ground. Yeah. But uh, aquamated is just like a cleaner version of getting cremated, but with water. Oh. Like broken down by water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, That's interesting. cool. I've never heard of that before. I'm going to look into that. <laughs> yeah. And then recomposted is actually you get composted. That's, That's cool. a good one too. Yeah. yeah. I like and the – I think – do you find that people are kind of moving away from the traditional, like embalming or cremating, I think, to do more like eco-friendly things? Yeah, I think with the, those of us that are in the eco-friendly mindset, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. We love the fact that we can have alternatives, but each state has its own laws and regulations. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, okay. you know, you can do uh, caskets that, are, that break down easily. Um, Mm -hmm. shrouds are getting really popular where you don't put yourself into a casket. You actually just put yourself in a, you know, shroud of some sort uh, with a natural fiber. So um, jewelry Mm. is coming back, which is really exciting. Exciting Mm. when people are putting ashes and hair into jewelry. Yeah. Yeah. That's a cool one. Do you work all over the country? Um, Yeah. I actually work internationally. Now that we get to do things virtually, I've I've had clients in South Africa, uh, Australia and in wow. France. Oh, wow. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That is the one thing I would wanted to kind of know is do you, how did, how did the pandemic like change the way you work or the amount of work that you're doing? Are you dealing with people who are dealing with COVID-19? Are you able, like you said, you were able to work internationally now Are you're not able to kind of be there in person a little bit more? Yeah, the person thing kind of, we, we all got kind of shut out of it. Um, I started with volunteering and Mm -hmm. I would help a lot of people actually virtually like Facebook messenger, people would message me, but it was all volunteer based. So Mm -hmm. I would donate my services and I let go of my job in January, right before we got like, so I was a high profile events producer Mm -hmm. and, uh, I sent out the email to all my clients. Like, I can't do this anymore. I'm really sick. I've been sick for three years. And then two weeks later, we get the like, no more events. And I was like, perfect. (laughs) Because I decided to do um, death delicious for full time. Oh, nice. And Mm -hmm. what I've noticed is so I really became community based and I allowed the community to tell me what they needed. And they needed a ton of grief support. I'm, yeah. I'm helping people left and right with like a lot of grief support. And then when it comes to COVID, since we really can't see our loved ones, and I've personally had um, relatives die of COVID complications, I've mm-hmm. had to help people go into ceremony so they can actually like go into meditation and bond with their loved ones in mm-hmm. that space to say goodbye because saying goodbye is super important yeah. um, to us. And then also hosting virtual funerals or services. So that's how it changed with the pandemic. And um, it's been a beautiful thing. It's been such a beautiful transition. And I feel so aligned with my work. And uh, it's just such a nurturing space to be in. As we mentioned earlier, like death delay, usually think like something very different, but it's a very nurturing, comforting, Mm -hmm. loving space. And it's wonderful that people can reach out to you and get that. Uh, Because I think a lot of people do miss out on that grief part and that 
saying goodbye part, whether it be because of emotional blocks or in this case, just physical presence, you can't be there to say goodbye. They won't let you. And so I think having your services is a really good um, kind of like a buffer or transitional way to get those emotions out. Or even the um, just the you're helping with the planning. You know, I feel like when I lost my grandmother, the planning of her funeral was kind of overwhelming that you don't really get the chance to like sit with it and grieve and take the time to sit back and just be with your emotions and kind of mourn the way that you need to. You kind of have to wait till everybody else gets to. And then at the end, then you're like, okay, well now what? Okay, now I can break down. You know, I think having that, you kind of just take that off of their plate. And I think that's really um, something that a lot of people need and they don't even, I think a lot of people don't even um, uh, know to look for services like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I'm glad you really, you said that so important. We don't think about how much goes into when someone passes away administratively Mm -hmm. and also Mm -hmm. physically all their belongings. Mm -hmm. And then the time frame. it's not like if you're fortunate enough that someone owns their home, they, you get to have a little more time and organizing things, putting things in storage, uh, Mm -hmm. giving them to friends and family. But if you, for instance, have a family member, like say a grandparent who is in a nursing home or assisted living or in their own apartment, you have a very short amount of time to get all their right. belongings organized, put away. Mm-hmm. Plus, like, did they have an estate? Did they have a will? If they didn't, yeah. do they have the finances to pay for things? It becomes very, very complex. Yeah, it's like a. It makes it very businesslike instead of mm-hmm. you getting to mourn your loved one. Yeah, yeah, you just end up pushing and delaying your grieving process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, in in your process, when you go in, um, what do you bring in to your practice? Do you bring in, do you focus on what their religion might be? Do you bring in your own specific things? What is kind of like your your process there? We come in neutral. At least that's what we're trying to come in as. Like you mm-hmm. just come in, you're there to just be a support system, regardless of belief systems, um, politics, uh, ethnic backgrounds, cultures. Like you come in literally just like ready to become the student and absorb mm-hmm. like information either energetically or through friends and family. And then just like, again, the companionship, that's where you come in. You're like your main goal, your main objective is just to be a support system. Yeah. That's so awesome. I bring in just um, positivity mm-hmm. and a lot of patience, just a lot of, yeah. lot of patience because everyone deals with death very differently. Everyone handles yeah. processes, mm-hmm. loss very differently. Like yeah. So many different emotions. Mm-hmm. And what about you personally? How do you, I would, I would think it either it takes a certain kind of person to be able to be around so much death or you have to personally shield yourself or I don't know if detach is the right word, but you have to kind of take a step back from it. How do you handle that personally? Um, I, this is something I've just been, it's natural. I've, Mm -hmm. I feel like I've, was gifted or blessed with the ability to come go into a space that kind of like could be either really chaotic or heavy emotionally. And I just am able to diffuse or -hmm. transmute it into a more calm and grounded energy. So Mm -hmm. for me, I just go in there without any expectations. I make sure that I'm okay. Like Mm -hmm. I have to make sure that I'm very grounded. Like I can't Mm -hmm. bring in my own 
anxiety right. or whatever's mm-hmm. happening in my life, I just make sure that I'm very just like almost like cleansing myself in my energy. So when I go into that space, I am that space holder for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a job you don't necessarily do alone. We tend to work in pods if you can, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. you train the family to support each other. So that way you don't get energetically burnt out. Cause that's really important because this work, mm-hmm. it's very spatial, very spiritual work. And when you're in that, in that ether realm, mm-hmm. right. In the spatial mm-hmm. realm, you can be there forever, but your body can only take so much. So yeah. you come back into your body and you're like, okay guys, like I'll see you tomorrow. You're like, exhausted and completely depleted oh yeah I can imagine so it's super important to like make sure that you know your limitations that you share the support you can't do it all and then for however much energy you put out that's the amount of energy you need to rest mm-hmm. yeah I feel like is that there would be anything, yeah is there anything specifically you do like um, meditation or cleansing or grounding things that you do every time before you go in somewhere No, not every time. I do have like my rituals that I do to make sure that I'm like, you know, if anything sticks. So Mm -hmm. I love embodiment uh, Mm -hmm. meditation. So I personally do a lot of movement meditations to just get anything that's really stuck in my body out. And then I do um, dancing. So somatic practices, ecstatic Mm -hmm. dancing, just again, very, very physical. Mm -hmm. Because again, I can be in the spiritual space for a very long time. It's my physicality that gets drained. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then each, each time I sit with someone, it just really depends. Um, yeah. so you can be in a room with someone where they're being very supportive and they're kind of processing in a similar way. And then you can be in a room where someone's just rage, anger, yeah. frustrated. Mm-hmm. And so that takes a little more to like help calm someone. And that's when I go, okay, what do I need right now? Do I need to punch a bunch of boxes? <laughs> do I need to go outside and like throw a glass at a wall or something? And then that, that changes per, you know, family or person that I'm with. Yeah. yeah. What about I mean, when you get home? Is there anything you do specifically when you're, when you're done for the day or done with a client? Yeah. Decompress. Like I'm all about that Netflix and grief. Yeah, <laughs> not Netflix and chill, just like Netflix and grieve. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're all doing, I think. Really, yeah. yeah. So um, it's all about just getting myself out of, you know, just just give me a rom com or something feel good. I yeah. definitely love animated anything. So mm-hmm. you know, I'll just throw on like you know the last Airbender and just be like, okay, make mm-hmm. me feel better. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Oh, I love it. Yeah. You got to put that on a t-shirt, Netflix and Grieve. That's yeah, funny. yeah. No, I'm like definitely thinking I'm like to make little cards and stuff. But. Yeah, stickers or something. Mm-hmm. So, oh my God, I know so many people who would buy that. That's so- <laughs> <laughs> when you when you find yourself in those situations, like you said, where some people are, like you said, everybody deals with grief differently. Do you ever find yourself in situations where you come into it and you and you see that your services are not helpful or you find yourself thinking, well, I can't, I can't work with these people. I can't work with this person or this in this situation. Does that ever come up? Yeah. So that's like a two part question. The first part is there, sometimes you go into a space thinking you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm failing. I'm not doing anything for this family or this person. And you feel a little defeated. And then you get like this text the next day, this like beautiful text, like, thank you so much for all your support and your help. And you just kind of read the situation a little wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's that first part to it, right? Where you're just like, I'm not doing anything. But again, if people are in process, 
they if they're say like their emotions are blocked or they're in numbness or shock, they're they're super delayed. So to mm-hmm. the next day when they've been able to sleep and just kind of like digest a bit, they're like, oh man, that, that was really helpful. Or those tools that she gave me were so beneficial at that moment. And so that that's I get it a day or so later. Um, mm-hmm. The second part is obviously if we feel like we're in any kind of danger, like someone mm-hmm. is so volatile that, mm-hmm. and it's, we've had it, I've, I've had it particularly with um, services where uh, an estranged family member tries to be a part of the funeral mm-hmm. or the services. And someone's like, I don't want this person here. They weren't in, you know, they weren't a part of my husband's life. They don't deserve to be here. And so it becomes mm-hmm. a little volatile. And then um, for, I don't know why some people expect that I'm able to diffuse that moment yeah. and they're going to like, what, what, what are you going to do about it? And I'm like, I, I can't do anything about the situation. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. this isn't my role, but, um, that would be the only time that I think that I'd have to step away is if I felt like I was physically in danger mm-hmm. and I got, it just kind of would say, I'm, I apologize that I can't continue. Yeah. And then like I would connect. So when you are with someone who's actually passing, you're already energetically cycling with the person. And I can energetically stay with that person miles away. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm my my concern is no longer is not that I won't be able to be there with the person's actually passing. It's that I won't be able to be there for the family or the loved yeah. ones. But yeah. I, I'll be in connection with that person until they pass away. Oh. Yeah. How do you um how do you make that connection? Like do you it have just a- happens. Uh, I just have, yeah, it just happens. I just have the, uh, so I'm an empath and I'm very, uh, I'm a strong intuitive. So I can actually connect with people very easily Mm. and um, stay connected. And it's almost like, uh, it feels like you're tethered. Mm -hmm. And then once they pass away, the tether kind of actually just snaps. I like like someone takes like cuts it in half and it just like snaps, um, Mm. like cord cutting. But yeah. it's not something that I have to force. It just kind of naturally happens in that space. So when you're in end of life, the, you're, the veil of everything is a lot. It's thin. The energy is bigger. It's vibrating yeah. differently. And so if you just kind of lean into it, and this is for anyone, if you kind of just allow yourself to lean into that moment and the energy, you'll be able to connect with the person who's actually passing too. And I've had people mm-hmm. say, thank you so much. I swear my grandmother said goodbye to me. She didn't say anything verbally, but with her energy yeah. in her mind, mm-hmm. I can tell that she said, thank you for being here. And she appreciates me saying goodbye to her. Yeah. So That's nice. lovely. That's lovely. Because not everybody has that ability. And I think you having that ability and being willing to use it, because there's also having it and then the willingness to like do something with it, I think is wonderful that you're kind of putting that energy in that place. Um, Because like you said at the beginning, um, you said you kind of felt like you had this calling and wanting to look into it more. And I think as we've researched and we've been doing this for about a year now, it seems like that's the most common thing um, for people who work with energies and who work with or someone who might do spirit work or or something else kind of in that realm with those energies that it's really a calling that like brought them there or just they stumbled upon it accidentally and they just felt that they're needed there. And it's so lovely that you were able to find that and mm-hmm. be in it. It was really my grandmother. So mm-hmm. I, the first person I ended up guiding was my grandmother. And then uh, I'm the kind of, so I'm a self-projected projector. 
So when I know something, I just know, right? And people are always yeah. like, why are you here? Why are you doing this training? I'm like, I don't know. It'll show up. <laughs> It'll yeah. tell me at some point, <laughs> but I'm just here. And that's how I felt with the doula training, the death doula training. I'm like in Madison, mm-hmm. Wisconsin, like no idea why I was there. I'm like, why am I here? <laughs> You're like, what am I doing here? <laughs> what am I doing here? And the training was so life-changing. So I was like, this is amazing. But I knew that wasn't the full reason. And yeah. then my grandmother passes away three months later. And I'm wow. able to guide her and then culturally – uh, we have elders and your elders never allow you in. Like your elders are always like your elders. And I was able to step into their coven, uh, this coven of elders. And they allowed me to guide them and support them. And then I felt like my grandmother was just like energetically in my body, like turning on all these switches. Mm -hmm. Like this is who we are. This is what we do. We've done this. It's in our bloodline. And it was what brought me back to life. That Mm -hmm. moment of like, Oh, I have this like purpose. No wonder I've been so um, close to death or wanting to be so near it is because it's mm-hmm. always been inside yeah. of me. You could feel it, but you weren't sure what what that calling was. You just knew it had to do with death in the first place. Yeah, and that it was weird. <laughs> 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 but there was no guidance. I could have just been like, yeah, so death is real fascinating to me. And people are like, what? <laughs> Most people are like, um, okay, I'm going to be yeah. over there. You know? Exactly. I know. We're like, tell us more. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Us too. Say more. <laughs> tell us everything. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing that this, doing this podcast really, we've heard from a lot of people have been like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, this was always like a secret thing that I just did for myself. And now, I, you know, people are, I'm talking to people, I've met people or just listening to us speak about it it's like yeah we were we were the same way we have these fascinations with things that people consider uh morbid or taboo when really mm-hmm. death is the most natural thing in the world mm-hmm. we're we're all mm-hmm. destined for it no matter how hard we fight it yeah. i think that's um stepping into that and making it less um less taboo i guess is the word you know yeah. making it more normal creating a comfort zone yeah normalizing yeah, I like to say this is stuff we've already known. <laughs> so yeah. it's ancient wisdom that was taken from us a long time ago. Oh, yeah. You know? absolutely. We're just coming back to it and going, mm-hmm. wait a second. We've always done this. We've, this isn't new. This, no. is, this is something that we've had for a very long time as part of our mm-hmm. existence as human beings. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Way back when uh, Neanderthals started burying their dead. In their villages, they started with jewelry and ceremony, and and over the years, is I mean, if you've listened to our other episodes, like the mainstream religions have kind of changed things and um, popular opinion and what is taboo and what's not and what what can you see and what you shouldn't see and those things kind of shifted and even even modern funeral services like why do they need to cost up to thirty thousand dollars to bury someone like why do you have to do this and yeah um, it's it's turned into a a business you know it's turned into like a money making Mm -hmm. thing is that something that you've seen you you know do you do you guide people in that way to say you know you don't have to buy the you know i don't do they make gold coffins you know like you don't have to buy the top of the line you know (laughs) of course they do Uh, of course they do 
that that's not my my role. So um, our well, at least mine in particular, I mm-hmm. come in again, no judgment. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm in the space yeah. of like, if that makes you happy, I can't, I can't oh, yeah. step into that and say that's not eco friendly because that those are my uh, beliefs yeah. and right. um, how I live my life. But if mm-hmm. someone wants to go buy a gold coffin, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> I can't and throw a bunch of money inside of it. I, I can't really say anything, but yes. Um, but mm-hmm. as a death doula and, and I'm part of BIPOC cafes and we do talk about, you know, when Black Lives Matter was happening, how we need to start putting um, more education on how we don't all get equal deaths, mm-hmm. that death is not yeah. the great equalizer. And although no. we, we want everyone to have a good death, a lot of us don't have access to having mm-hmm. a good death. And um, even the medical system isn't on a lot of uh, BIPOC, LGBTQ plus, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're not on their side. And so mm-hmm. a lot of this started shifting for us. And we started talking more about the politics of, of anti-discrimination and then also the money, the capitalism of it. Because mm-hmm. there it is, it is a huge, um, it's one thing to be a business. It's another thing to, uh, it's like the wedding industry too. It's like, it's oh, yeah. one thing predatory. to own. Yeah, it becomes incredibly predatory people are pretty much out of their minds. They're not thinking straight and you're just going, oh, well, we have this one that's $14,000, but you're not yeah. offering anything and any alternatives. Yeah. And so it takes someone who's pretty clear headed and, or someone who planned everything in advance and mm-hmm. made sure they had money aside for everything they wanted. Um, and that's why we're having this conversation, right? Is also to like, just <laughs> let's educate everyone. Like yeah. Death, yeah. Is, death is okay. It's going to happen. Let's, let's plan for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just finished reading a book. Um, Smoke gets in there, your eyes. Um, it was written by a, a woman who worked at a crematorium for quite some time. And there was this whole section about the funeral industry and how much it changed in such a short amount of time. Like literally like the last 50 years is completely transformed to the flowers and the services and the cars and the doves and the butterflies look like all of these things which you can absolutely have and if you want that you want that and if that's going to make you happy and feel like it's going to comfort your family do it sure but how just how expensive everything can be and i can imagine that that is part of what's so overwhelming for families is that if you're if your loved one was not prepared going into it either because they were scared um do you see that where the family member who may be in the passing um, just was not prepared because they were scared or just because they just didn't want to think about it? Is that common? I think what happens is we don't really ever think we're going to die or we all expect to make it to old age. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us don't get to make it to 60, 70, 80, 90 Mm -hmm. years old. Mm -hmm. And we just go off the assumption that we have time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's also a combination of, yeah, there's a lot of death anxiety and death fear out there, but there's also the like, oh, I'll get there when I get there. I'll sleep mm-hmm. when I'm dead. Uh, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll go, go on vacation when I'm retired. There's all this like, I have to be productive as long mm-hmm. as I can. And then when I'm however old, I get to do these things. And you're like, kids die, babies die, teenagers die. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, it, it's never like death is with you every day. Yeah. So do the thing like, no, like plan. It doesn't matter that yeah. you're 20, 30, 40 years old, but yes, I do see a lot of people who are not prepared and you see the family scrambling mm-hmm. um, and they don't have the knowledge and knowing that there are options. And so they do end up spending yeah. $17,000 and they think they have to have the um, catered, 
party afterwards mm-hmm. and you know the doves and the butterflies and, yeah. and <laughs> you're right it everything used to just have people at home you would have mm-hmm. you know with them come to your home your house people would bring food mm-hmm. and you would have depending on your religion a vigil prayers have uh mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. priest father whomever come over and being be the support system and yeah it did change Mm-hmm. When we, we stopped wanting to see death in our house, in our homes, and then everything. And like, if someone passes away in a house, oh, it's haunted. And you're like, oh my gosh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not necessarily the case. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, is, is that something you encounter a lot? People like afraid to have their loved ones pass away in their homes? Is that something you, they're like, okay, we got to yes. get them to the hospital. We got to get them out. You know, that kind of superstition. Absolutely. Which is really fascinating to me because most people, it's like 80% of us want to pass away in our homes in mm-hmm. the comfort of everything yeah. we know. Yeah. And only 20% of us get to. Most of us experience a medical death. And that yeah. has a lot to do with not necessarily the fear of having someone pass away in your home or their home, but it has to do with trying to keep your loved ones alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even doctors talk about having a problem with this, knowing full well that this person's an end of life and actively passing. Their loved ones have their power of attorney or mm-hmm. get to decide and they keep yeah. them on these medical um, mm-hmm. to keep mm-hmm. them alive much longer than they should be. Yeah, we had that experience with my, my great grandma. It was a not fun battle between family members. And luckily yeah. her husband, my great grandfather was able to pass away at home on hospice and have his family around. So that was nice. But yeah, I think they were a little traumatized by that experience, not knowing what they were going to see. And then, cause even though my mom wasn't a hospice nurse at the time that that passing um, kind of is what uh, turned her in that direction, kind of similar, um, but I think after that, because my great grandma um, passed a few years later, I think the rest of the family was like, we don't want to do that again. And then half of them were like, but she wants to do that. So, again, just writing things down, writing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And you actually said what a lot of people say medical mm-hmm. deaths can be incredibly traumatic. They can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For everybody, including mm-hmm. the person who's passing away. Because it doesn't look natural. No. It, it looks like something out of the movies and people don't know what to expect and what to see. And I think they go in thinking that they're going to be able to speak and talk. And uh, I don't find comfort when your loved one is just hooked up in a hospital bed, yeah. unable to communicate. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you've used the term um, actively passing a couple of times. Is, is there like a – so say someone who has – um, a terminal illness or is older, you know, is there like a timeline that they tend to follow in that? If it is not an accident or it's not, you know, a traumatic, something sudden, is there kind of like, okay, this is going to happen and then this is going to happen and then, you know, so on and so forth? Yeah, your body actually, there's subtleties and nuances that happen in at, when someone's actively passing that um, we kind of write off. And like, oh, they're being a little extra strange or, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, you'll see people start death nesting. And because I, I help people and pets like animals, uh, animals oh. do something very similar. They'll start kind of putting their affairs in order energetically mm-hmm. and physically. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll want to say goodbye to everyone. 
the mm-hmm. like, oh, I want to see as many people as I can. And it's, it's almost subconscious. Some people are conscious to like that their body starting to like slow down, um, mm-hmm. the, what they're interested in doing, the foods that they're interested in eating. And so mm-hmm. you can be actively passing for about three to six months. Oh, oh, wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's almost like, a, it's more about nuances and subtleties in how yeah. the person is starting to kind of like get ready, prepare themselves mm-hmm. for their, for that journey. Oh, that's very interesting. That is very interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah. I Makes think, um, well, especially we talk, like we've been saying, people don't like to think about death. So they don't like to think, I think a lot of people, it's like one or the other, you think some horrible accident is going to happen or I'm going to die when I'm 95, you know, like it's one or the other. And you don't think about, well, personally, haven't thought, I haven't thought about that natural end. You know, you like you progress as you're, a baby, you kind of hit milestones and you grow up and then you kind of go down the other side of the hill and you slow down and things kind of you in reverse, you know, you then you end up passing away. I think that's very interesting to to think about in that way that it does make it seem less, less mysterious and less scary to you know, like, mm-hmm. OK, this happens. It's just part of what happens to all of us. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just the next step. Yeah, kind of un- un- unlike the Grim Reaper kind of feeling, <laughs> like it's looming over you, like, right. oh, it's going to come get you. Yeah. No, yeah. it's, um, yeah. so it's really interesting because I-, I talk about my work being life-affirming. Like, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily just about death. It's about life-affirming. It's about yeah. realizing what's sacred and what really matters. Even when uh-huh. someone close to you passes away, it gives you that, that those few moments of, like, oh, man, what am I doing in my life? Like, I really need to, like, <laughs> get closer to my family or talk to friends more often, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're constantly thinking that death is like this scary thing that's yeah. chasing us all the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really more of a, a, this like beautiful way of existing. It's a teacher of, look, you, you don't have to do all the things. You don't have to be productive. You don't have to do all these things. Society says that you have to be. What's most important is you're here to live and be alive for however mm-hmm. long that you can. So why aren't you making the best of it? Why are you thinking that you have all this time later to do these things mm-hmm. when your life right now is the most important thing? Yeah. yeah. And it's That's more perfect. one of those. Yeah. It should be like a, a cute old grandma who's like baking you cookies, giving you all this like wisdom on like, just live your <laughs> life, honey. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's not calling you back. It's okay. There are other fish in the sea. You yeah. know, something yeah. like the Grim Reaper needs to be, needs a different marketing campaign. Yeah, yeah. Whoever's in charge of that needs to need to rework it. Whoever came up with Santa Claus, they need to, you know, (laughs) Coca Cola or whoever. Yes. (laughs) Are there? Do people kind of have those misconceptions a lot about what you do? Do they come to you and you know they they think it's creepy or scary or things like that? Yeah, it's it's hilarious when I tell people I'm a death doula. It's the initial like, wait, what? Um, Did you say? I heard doula. Did you say death? <laughs> right. And I'm like, yeah. And you get like, like you guys, like, ooh, tell me more. Take a notepad out and like the little yeah. pen and start taking yeah. notes out. And then you get mm-hmm. the, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> great. Anyway. So, <laughs> so um, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, a lot of uh, people do assume that there's a lot of doom and gloom just because mm-hmm. the, the category, the topic of mm-hmm. death just – really people immediately sense like a dark 
lightness to it. Yeah. Um, and that's why I've been really trying to shift that into making yeah. it more accessible. And um, like I mentioned earlier, it's more about giving you the tools to live a bigger, better, more expansive life. Yeah. You know, versus, versus just talking about death all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know if you would know the answer to this question, but I feel like this kind of like doom and gloom and scary thing when it comes to funerals and vigils and just that time where passing is coming up is is kind of like a like a uh, modern European American thing um, and not really a broad cultural thing, because I know that there are some cultures where they're going to bring in a lot of joy and celebration and it's a party and it's it's just your next step. It's just the next step in the process and they're celebrating you for that. Have you encountered that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cultural, uh, cultural differences in death are huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even, even here when we're in, in our country, since there's, it's so diverse, yeah. I do get to see just celebrations of life or mm-hmm. um, the dancing and the singing mm-hmm. and, you know, just the way other people view death. But yes, yeah. we, we somehow, this modern concept of, just being really afraid of death and dying. Um, it's, it's new to us because we used to not have that. No. Yeah. Cause yeah. it used to be so common. It's just something it's a hap- It happens. It's going to happen to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, we don't talk enough about like how no. many young people are dying of cancer these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 27 year olds dying of breast cancer or. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. 32 think- year olds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- I think talking about it again, like we said, normalizing it making makes it less scary. Yeah, and for sure. I think we, I don't know. It's again, it's that thing that you said about the culture. Your culture gets taken from you, and so it becomes unknown. And the unknown is always scary. And mm-hmm. so you kind of it kind of it's built into that whole business of we'll take care of everything you just pay for it like we'll you don't have to deal with the death you know in and it's going to cost you a lot of money but you won't have to touch anything like you don't have to get your hands dirty like we'll Mm -hmm. we'll do everything and it'll be beautiful and everything's going to be you know perfect little bow on it and it's gonna it's it makes it very clean Mm -hmm. you know we're a very sanitized version of it with the traditional kind of funerals that we seem to have moved into the past couple of decades yep mm-hmm. yeah it's uh, we've sterilized the process yeah. yeah oh good word yes yeah yeah that is very That's true how it feels we've definitely sterilized the process yeah <laughs> yeah everyone wants it to look a certain way they want grandma to look like how she did when she was alive and mm-hmm. you know, make it make it smell nice with the flowers and everything which it like you said, if it, that's what makes you makes the process easier for you, then go for it and do it. I just think it's so interesting the differences that like I don't know how common or what the funeral uh, process is like like in other countries, but it's very like an American thing too to have. But I think we do that with a lot of things. We do. We tend to make things a lot more difficult than they need to be. <laughs> yeah, it's and that's interesting. Um, so with COVID, there are a lot we're having more in-home funerals mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you know if you have it at a mortuary or funeral home, um, they only allow certain people to come in. Yeah, so you can only you know direct family members. It has to be under mm-hmm. ten. But if you house it in your own home, you can actually have people cycle in. 
right. you know, and, and give respects. So it's, it's this beautiful thing where you're seeing like people start using dry ice instead of embalming. So yeah. grandma actually looks like what grandma looked like and not what she looks like full of embalming fluid. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, That's interesting. Nice. It's kind of, it's, I feel like there's a big um, awakening in the past year, especially, but I feel like our generation and the younger generations are kind of finding their way back to those cultures and really saying like, Hey, like, that's not like, why did that get taken from us? Like, that's not fair. I want to get in touch with my roots. I want to learn about what we did, where we come from, where we came from. So many people that I know don't even know where their families came from because, you know, um, you come here, you're American, you're an American. That's it. You know, you're not, you're Mm -hmm. not from, it doesn't matter where you came from. You're going to assimilate and you're an American now. So I think I, I feel like that's really changing Mm -hmm. in the culture in our you know, I think our, the younger people, and I sound like an old lady, the younger, (laughs) the young people. Um, But I think that's really interesting. I think hopefully that will bring back more of those natural types of vigils and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hope so. That would be Yeah. And I love the idea of using our advanced knowledge and technology and medicine to realize and recognize that some of the preventative stuff we've been using our herbalists and people who are apothecaries mm-hmm. and healers and mm-hmm. energy practitioners have been doing for a while. And now it's going to give uh, them clout because yeah. now we're going into like quantum medicine and quantum physics. And so yeah. it's kind of more of like, it's, it's starting to come back to a place that we've always known. And we're like, Oh, mm-hmm. our ancestors did know. <laughs> they yeah. did some weird stuff too, but they definitely didn't know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like coming yeah. full circle again, coming yeah. right back to it. Speaking of that, do you do you use any holistic things or have a holistic practice? Um, you mean like energy work, herbal? Yeah, energy, herbal, sense. So I am a big uh, proponent of all of it. And I use it for myself personally just because I'm mm-hmm. a Taurus <laughs> projector, <laughs> I call things. And I'm very into um, – I'm very into it. So I am curious. I I know when plants are medicinal plants just by looking mm-hmm. at them, which mm-hmm. is so my grandmother was like a like a kitchen witch for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she would do all the like my, they were raised on like a ranch in the middle of nowhere. My mom yeah. they still cooked outside, had dirt mm-hmm. floors, outhouses, you know. So my grandmother would like set bones on the kids mm-hmm. when they would break like legs and so <laughs> When she, she came here, she would still like, I remember there being like meat hanging where she's like drying steak to like make beef jerky or she'd make mm-hmm. like cheese on the porch. And uh, her house always smelled like bay leaves and mint mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, when a kid was sick, she was like, here, I made you this concoction, this tea, mm-hmm. or here, mm-hmm. gargle this, these pomegranate rinds that I've had dried <laughs> in the cabinet. So definitely it's there, it's in there. Um, but I, I don't. But I'm always like asking my witch friends, what is this? It looks like black nightshade. Why is it in my backyard? <laughs> like it's a necromancy plant and you do death work. So not surprised yeah. that it's like, yeah. with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's definitely calling to me. Uh, mm-hmm. Doing a, I'm doing a past life regression on Monday. Ooh. tomorrow. Ooh. So we'll see. That's one of the questions I want to ask. I'm like, I definitely remember being a healer of some sort and having mm-hmm. the same kind of practices my grandmother had. Um, but not, a, I don't really feel like I was a witch per se. 
mm-hmm. but I, I was burned at the stake, like mm-hmm. one in that vision that I get. I'm like, oh, yeah, mm, that's wonderful. I felt that about myself too. <laughs> yeah, where you didn't necessarily have to be one. <laughs> you yeah. had to be a witch, but they just yeah. burned you as if you were one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to see what comes up, but I, I use a lot of, as a projector, I cannot use, I, I have limited amounts of energy. So I do mm-hmm. find myself pulling energy from things and people. So I have animals, I have pets, mm-hmm. guardianship over a dog and two cats. And so mm-hmm. I find myself pulling from their energy sources quite a bit because they're constantly in channel. Yeah, And um, th- that is one practice I do is when I feel like I need certain things, like my dog's an empath and he's very grounded. And so I'll be able to pull energy from him when I just feel like I'm kind of very floaty. Um, <laughs> and so those are the practices that I put into play that are more kind of, I guess, holistic or, mm-hmm. you know, I do my new moon and full moon bath rituals for sure. Yeah. Nice. yeah. I, I really like that. Um, that all of that, you know, calling yourself a witch or practicing or the holistics, even just, you know, doing intentions or manifestations is very, um, becoming very popular because mm-hmm. I feel like we all need it. Like yeah. Jess and I have been doing this for a long time. Not, a, I don't know. It's hard. I mean, not like officially, you know, but I think a lot of people kind of find themselves mm-hmm. drawn to these types of things without using the terms or knowing mm-hmm. what the terms are. I think it's, it can only be good for the world, you know, for the yeah. collective to, mm-hmm. to kind of, find that power within yourself and find that energy, figure, figure out how to use that. Like you said, that we've been doing our whole lives or our ancestors did. And I think that's so, I think it's like just really nice. Whenever we get new people, they're like, how do I, I'm, I'm a baby witch or whatever they call themselves or I'm new. I'm interested. I'm like, yay, more like, (laughs) please everybody, Mm -hmm. everyone should be doing this. It's like therapy. I'm like, you should all be doing this and then going to therapy. Like all of us (laughs) we should be doing (laughs) I love that. It almost feels like even even if you, if you don't feel like you are a witch, say like you're an elemental or a starseed or a celestial, but you, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a combination of different things, right? Yeah. But just getting back into the earth, just getting your hands mm-hmm. into soil and you're like you're still a physical human being from this place. Right. And yeah. that being, being a witch is very much that. You're like very mm-hmm. connected to this place. And very. so it's like, I love that you're saying like, yeah, let's just do these like mandatory retreats for people to like yeah. handle the earth. Like this is, <laughs> these are the different gemstones that come from the earth. These yeah. are the medicines that we get from these plants. And so it gets us very earthbound and a reminder that yeah. I guess, although we may be these very spiritual beings, we are having this existence in a very physical way. So you yeah. can't bypass that all the time. You can't just be like oh. mind over matter. My body is whatever. It's my vessel to, to control. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you're supposed to be working together. That's why you're here. Yeah. Yeah. And that, we always say that and reinforce that, that even if you want to follow like one of the major like Abrahamic religions or you could still be a Christian and still have gemstones, like you can still yeah. <laughs> be a Catholic and meditate. You can yeah. still do intentions. You could still do moon baths. Like it's, it's okay. Like it's fine. Yeah. I mean, was- have you heard Catholic like... Total rituals, mantras, they feel amazing. You're like, oh, I'm floating. Like, yes, it's so, so similar. Yeah. Built that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's nice that people are 
like we've been saying that is people are just tuning tuning in and i hopefully that the more this kind of like movement is happening um because it's always been around but the younger generation is getting into it more so hopefully with that funeral practices can change and more death doulas can be added into practice and make the whole experience better mm-hmm. scary death workers in general more morticians yeah. more funeral directors mm-hmm. that have this kind of framework and mindset yeah mm-hmm. integrating it all for sure was there anything else you wanted to kind of let people know or to kind of clear up or advice or anything yeah uh feel all your feelings <laughs> mm-hmm. we we especially when we've lost someone or something when we've lost ourselves so i practice with living deaths and real deaths just even mm-hmm. loss of self like this whole pandemic has taken so much from us mm-hmm. and it's okay to grieve those losses it's okay yeah. to like be sad about your like vacation not happening or yeah that new you know your new business you want to launch like just lean into all that. Just feel all your feelings because we mm-hmm. are so accustomed to holding everything back mm-hmm. and yeah. for the sake of others, which is really mm-hmm. interesting, right? Because if we were just yeah. to, like allow ourselves to like just vent and really cry, that other person is probably like, oh my gosh, me too. You know? Yeah. yeah. And we get so stuck in the like, no, I'm okay. I'm fine. I don't want to inconvenience that other person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That I way- think especially as women, we yeah. were yeah. kind of told like, don't be dramatic. Don't be hysterical. You know, like you're fine. Be strong. Um, well, I mean, that could just be a cultural thing. Like we're, I'm uh, Mexican. So we, you know, we're, we're expected to kind of hold everything down and run everything in the household and everything without, and you just deal with it later. So I'm really, I'm really kind of just like uh, learning to do that. Feel your feelings. Like it's very, mm-hmm. it, it seems like, well, duh, like I feel my feelings, but I think people don't realize how much they don't let themselves yeah. feel mm-hmm. their feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like okay you feel them and then you like push them down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, oh, and I'm feeling like, that. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh, <laughs> yeah. no. Not right now. I got laundry to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, we yeah. can cry for five minutes and then go do your laundry later. <laughs> exactly. And uh, I totally understand. I'm, I'm Mexican as well. And there's a, I did this whole where I just recorded about like, the grieving of the gender preferential treatment of men and mm-hmm. uh, being the martyr and self-sacrificing and yeah. just feeling like, why is my life okay to sacrifice? My brothers can just like hang out and do nothing, you know? Um, and yeah. <laughs> that took a lot of like grieving and processing and yeah. recognizing like, how do I, how do I shift all this? <laughs> you know, how do I stop doing all this stuff? Jeez, I'm tired. There's so much like built-in guilt, like not only the Catholic guilt, but the Mexican guilt where you like, oh, you're going to take a nap. Like, what do you, you you know, like, don't you have stuff to do? Shouldn't you be cleaning or cooking or doing something? You know, like I, that again, through therapy stuff that I'm working through. And I think again, with the younger generations, they are coming to that so much earlier Mm -hmm. in their lives. Like, well, why do I have to do everything? Like, why can't he get up and cook me dinner? Like, why can't we cook dinner together? Why can't, you know, I think it's, I'm like, so when I think about the younger generations, I'm like, so excited for them because I'm like, you're not going to have to go through it. Like, you don't have to wait till you're 30 or 35 to, (laughs) to start working on yourself. You're going to do it so much younger and then they're going to teach their children to do it younger. And Mm -hmm. it's just going to be just the way it is after that. I'm, I feel, I mean, 
I don't know where I was going with that, but you know, like, <laughs> I just—I feel like we're as a collective, we're everyone's starting to really work on themselves, and I think it leads from birth to death. You know, you live your life a certain way, and you you think of death a certain way. I think just knowing that you can live your life, you don't have that like ticking time bomb, like oh later, 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 because then there there is an end point eventually. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, live your life for now. Feel your feelings. I love that. <laughs> like, feel your feelings, like, but like let them come out. Like let them yeah. come through because they're they're trying to guide you. Your emotions, mm-hmm. your feelings. As much as people like to say that you're being dramatic or whatever it may be, right. it's like no, they're specifically there to either cleanse so that the real things that you're feeling can come through and start. You can start kind of strategizing around the yeah. real feelings not the anger and whatever it is that you like use as your constant the my mm-hmm. okay feelings no like the real am yeah. I feeling shame am I feeling guilt am I feeling vulnerable am I feeling lost like what are the yeah. real feelings I'm feeling because there's where you can start going all right how do I help myself in this place this real place I feel yeah. lost. I feel abandoned how do I help myself there not I'm just mad you know mm-hmm. and that's a very mm-hmm. different it's you know the deeper the shadow work it's yeah. just healthy trying to teach you. Um, yeah. But that's it. Yeah. Lean in and dance. <laughs> you know, if you can't talk your way out of a situation you're feeling grief, go dance. Yeah. Go dance. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Dancing will turn your mood around in 30 seconds. Oh, I know. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so where can people find you your, and seek your services? So I'm primarily living on Instagram. I'm mm-hmm. at, at, at Death Empath. I have a website, but it's like, mm. <laughs> it <needs laughs> us too. It's okay. Us too. It's okay. Yeah. And um, I'm going to, I love reels and I realize that I'm a total like content creator person because that's how I kind of relate to everyone is through uh, creative artistic ways. And that's going to start oh, well. becoming more implemented, implemented in my work. Nice. So more, more dancing. I'm starting to bring in music and singing and different ways of of uh, finding all those stuck feelings in your body. So more embodiment practices, but mm-hmm. yeah, cool. Just that very on cool. Perfect. Yeah. On Instagram at death empath. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much for thank coming you. on with us. This was like, it's so enlightening. Yeah. Um, we had such a great time. Um, I just learned a lot. I just, I learned a lot. I was sitting here yeah. just like absorbing information. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah, same too. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you again. Um, again, at Death Empath on Instagram, go mm-hmm. check it out. Um, definitely give a follow if you need these mm-hmm. services. Reach out. Um, again, thank you so much. And mm-hmm. I hope hopefully our listeners learned some stuff and maybe feel mm-hmm. a little less anxious about, you know, the inevitable. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you or you'll hear us next time. Next time. Bye. Bye. Hello, Sit for a Spell listeners. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? With everything going on in the world right now, James and I have been feeling the stress and have been experiencing extra anxiety. And we know a lot of you have been feeling the same way, which is why BetterHelp, that's better H-E-L-P, may be right for you. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. That's right, Jess. And did you know you can start communicating in under 48 hours? Now, BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is actual professional counseling done securely online. 
There's also a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available to you in your area. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule weekly or video phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if and when you ever need to. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available, which is huge in the COVID-19 world. That is awesome. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. You can visit their website and read testimonials that are posted daily. Visit betterhelp.com slash sit for a spell. That's better H E L P and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people are using better help that they're hiring new counselors in all 50 States. Yeah. Get on that. Mm -hmm. Get on this too. special offer for sit for a spell listeners. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash sit for a spell that's better h-e-l-p.com slash sit for a spell thank you for listening to this episode of sit for a spell please rate review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on all social media at sit for a spell pod if you have anything you would like us to discuss or want to share your own practices please email us at sit for a spell pod at gmail.com until next time Blessed be.